Hello there and welcome to the FFS podcast. I'm your host Pradi and this is episode number 38. And today we're going to be talking about a club that we haven't probably discussed in the podcast before and I don't think I'd ever in my lifetime imagine that I'd ever talk to, you know, about this club on my podcast. Um, and I'm glad that we are because of, you know, the what's happened in the news of late when it con- concerns this particular club and the club is none other than you know Tyneside's own Newcastle United uh, so we've got two Newcastle United fans both of them from India here on this po- particular podcast and uh, before we get to discussing you know the major topic or talking point of this episode I'll ask them to give a brief introduction uh, of themselves uh, they've never been on this podcast because I never really thought I would finally get a chance to talk to Newcastle fans uh in my limited memory uh, I I didn't think that there were Newcastle fans outside of Newcastle but uh, I'm glad to have them on here so uh let's start off with Ajay Ajay would you like to introduce yourself to our guest Hey hi uh my name is Ajay uh, I'm a Newcastle United fan for almost 15 years now uh um, and like what Pradi said I think it's, it's a club that's that's not been spoken about uh as much as we would like to so i'm really looking forward to uh, you know talking about it and you know sharing experiences that we have had collectively uh, you know as as a group and also individually uh, my experiences with newcastle so let me take a wild guess and say that you've been watching newcastle since probably the late 90s or mid 90s onwards because i can't imagine a scenario where you've been you've only started supporting newcastle since you know the past 10 years or so um it was somewhere between that um it was during the alan shearer and bobby robson days i'm talking of late 2003 2004 uh where we were still in europe i think that, those were the times that i started watching newcastle united and what is it about the club that you know made you support was it purely because of you know how well they were doing like shearer and you know that they were actually a quite a good team back then uh see i think uh, like every other asian kid my introduction to football uh, was through manchester united um, and beckham in particular uh, and because they there's huge influences on me um i started uh, really falling in love with the game i started watching more games and following more teams uh, while there were you know other clubs like arsenal and leeds that uh, you know that stood out i think there's this there's this club in the northeast uh, you know this pure passion um, you know the black and white kit really caught my eye and then you know i started watching more and more games there's something about them some magic about them and uh, you know it, it it so happens that i learned I, i learned it later that i shared my birthday with the club uh, so i think it is always meant to happen that way. wow that's that's one of those like the indian saying kismet connection sort of stuff right um, absolutely yeah all right so let's move on to akil akil uh, would you like to give our guest a brief introduction Yeah, surely. Uh, I started supporting Newcastle United since uh, 2005, um, almost 15 years right now. And uh, uh, firstly, I uh, saw Newcastle United because there was no televisions, um, so, uh, means that cables um, here in the state of Kerala. I'm, I'm from Kerala. So uh, whenever I started watching the Premier League football, I don't know, uh, I look at that black and white strips and... Uh, Uh, I started falling in love with them and especially Alan Shearer that's the main attraction uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> I watched two re- uh, relegations uh, and uh, till now I'm a, a Newcastle United supporter from from 2005 to um, 2020 so I love this club so much and um, I know you know uh, whenever there is a match I always love to um, like as Jay said uh, he's also supporting uh, Newcastle United for the past 50 years so this club means a lot for for us and i mean uh i don't want to spoil anything of, of sorts but i i know i noticed that on your whatsapp profile picture you have a picture with alan shearer how did that feel <laughs> meeting you know meeting him in india 
Yeah, it was uh, last time in February 26, uh, he came to uh, Mumbai and uh, we got an invitation of 12, 12 people of Newcastle United fans from India and uh, we reached there at Mumbai, uh, Tazi Lansons and uh, met him. First, first of all time I'm meeting my uh, ideal star, I'm so much nervous. But he was absolutely incredible man. He's a, such a great character. He he put his shoulder on my shoulder and uh, took uh, took selfie with me and talked talked to me a lot. And it was so nice that uh, a person who you admire, uh, firstly meeting him and uh, I, I don't. He's such a humble guy, scoring two assists, goals in the Premier League, and still the top uh, top in the league. And uh, and such a such a great character. It's awesome to watch him. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I think I mean, I've, I think I've met only like a couple of footballers, but even the, meeting them, it's like a surreal, you know, feeling. You don't really, it's 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 someone that you've grown up watching on the telly. It's not like you've stayed like people who stay in the UK are probably more used to seeing them in person. Yeah. But for us, you know, we've been growing up watching them on TV and have really entertained us for so many years to actually see them. uh you know and then obviously take a photo and everything it, it's quite uh surreal. yeah i mean it must have been a brilliant feeling um all right so so thanks for being a part of this podcast uh, and for coming on i like i said i didn't think this was going to happen i reached out to i think your the uh, newcastle india twitter handle and i tried my level best to get it and they said yeah i've got two people interested and i was like wow okay that's that's brilliant because uh as if you're if you haven't been living under a rock uh you would have, you would know that newcastle are in you know serious talks um uh, of being taken over uh so mike ashley is basically in serious talks not newcastle but mike ashley is in serious talks uh to sell newcastle united to what i'm guess i think is you know a company that is eventually run by the saudi monarchy uh and that's that's made huge waves in the world of football because of various reasons but you know the biggest reason being that you know we could see a potential next manchester city in the premier league and it could even bypass that because i think saudi owners would would be 10 times uh, our 10 i mean not our 10 times but you know uh their value or their estimated worth is 10 times that of uh, the manchester owner so it could it, i mean the ramifications of this deal are huge so uh akhil let me start off with you when you first read about this particular news that newcastle that mike ashley was planning to sell newcastle united to the saudis uh monarchy what were your thoughts Yeah, actually, as a true fan, uh, every every single Newcastle United fans uh, definitely want to escape from the uh, from the Mike Ashley era because uh, last uh, one and a half years before, uh, Amanda Stavely was portraying the ma- match against Liverpool. But uh, we thought that uh, they will be definitely happening. But uh, it uh, fell through. But uh, right right now, it's uh, coming again, and it's a strong one. It's uh, Saudis are so strongly interested in Newcastle United buying. The problem is that. Uh, Uh, one thing I heard that uh, you already told that uh, um, Newcastle United, so many Newcastle United fans are not in India. But uh, after that speculation happens, uh, so many people started uh, Instagrams uh, with the name of Newcastle United, WhatsApp groups, uh, Twitter, and so many fake people. So, I mean, plastic fans, like they say, uh, they started following Newcastle United. They started talking about them because they definitely want to uh, be a part of that uh, club, uh, which is higher, like Manchester City. And if Newcastle United are, are going to buy the Saudi, it's uh, really interesting. And uh, uh, the first thing is that uh, as a fan, uh, the first first main advantage is that we are going to escape from that Mike Ashley era. That's the ma- main thing that all fans definitely want. De- no, definitely, Ajay. Uh, uh, first of all, what were your initial thoughts when you read about this article? And also. if i'm not mistaken there were talks like akil mentioned initially you know the saudis were looking to take over manchester united and probably liverpool were the two main teams that everyone linked them to the saudi monarchy but uh post that i think was it january when you know talks actually started or yeah i think was it january yeah january that you know people put in the put in newcastle into the mix uh, when talking about that potential takeover so I mean, what were your thoughts back then? Uh, did you feel that 
you know it was ever going to happen and when you read about the talks now being concrete and at a, and at an advanced stage uh, what were your thought what are your thoughts now right now i think it is um until very recently it was you know at least for me it was a lot of skepticism right um, it's not like we've been put on sale and we are and there's a lot of speculation that we are going to be sold i think we have been here at least about four or five times under my cashly and when people talk about um, manchester city right um that that um, newcastle was one of the clubs that was offered to the sheikhs and uh, and mike mike ashley refused to meet the sheikhs and i think that's how um, manchester city became who they are today so um in that sense it is cruel justice uh, that that we have uh, again on the verge and hopefully it goes through i think there's a lot of uh, you know noise being created around um you know the ownership and in particular the saudis uh, being a part of it but um, i'm i'm pretty sure it will go through and if it does then like what akil mentioned more than anything else for us it is uh, a, a sign of relief uh, you know it's a sign of relief more than anything else uh, i know it from the outside it, it might seem real really fancy Uh, for us we just want a team that is competing and uh, something that that you know uh, an ownership that will put us back where we belong it is again uh, back in europe that's all we are looking for in the immediate uh, what happens and what what it stream rolls into i think it is something uh, left for all of us to see but for now it is cautious uh you know even if there i don't even know if there is a term called cautious relation but i think that's the feeling uh, for us in general right i i'm glad that you brought it up because i was going to ask you whether it's it is like cautious optimism or cautious elation right at this particular point uh and okay so i wanted to ask i mean i and anyone can take this up so like uh like i mentioned that talks were uh going on or started i think in 2018 uh w- when i think the saudis made the first contact with mike ashley and said that they were interested but talks didn't go too far because i i don't think mike ashley at that point is ready to sell but come january 2020 uh you know talks were definitely on and were were seemed like they were at an advanced stage where even some of the mainstream media in the uk were you know hyping it up as you know the next manchester city the next big thing that is going to come and i think uh, like you like uh, i would also agree that as a new uh, i mean watching newcastle fans lament over how their team has been over the past decade under mike ashley's uh, you know ownership and uh, regime it's it's kind of it's a sigh of relief right now that at least i mean sure that there might be issues with the saudi uh, taking saudis taking over but uh, you know at the end of the day it is a reprieve from mike ashley's torment but i want to ask okay akul take uh, why don't you answer this so given that talks were going on for some while and mike ashley knew that the intent was there from the sheikhs in, in saudi arabia do you think that was one of the reasons why he may have been very cautious in the transfer market that he didn't really want to spend more uh, given that he knew that come a year later or two years later that he would eventually sell the club uh mike ashley is, uh, is, is basically a businessman i think and uh, he he spent uh, last year 40 million uh, on john linton and 23 million uh, maximin and uh, uh, almiron so he spent the uh, i think that at that time also he had that plan to sell the club to increase the uh, club value so uh mike ashley mike's policies are so strange uh, we the fans uh, still uh, don't know how what he thinks and uh, it's up to him uh, final final word because they're selling the club already the 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 so much opposition came from qatar and uh, human activities uh, activists in saudi arabia uh, about selling the club to let, uh, let, um, write letters wrote letters to premier league officials so uh, till now there is no 
red flag raised by the Premier League officials. But Mike Ashley's uh, Mike Ashley's policies are so strange. So, so I am not still confident that the club would sell because now if 99% of chance are there, but that one percentage is in Mike Ashley's hands, and he will definitely be asking something uh, if the club is in demand. He'll be asking for uh, about 100 million more. So at the last time, he's uh, something, some person like that. Okay. No, uh, uh, fair enough. I think uh, there is always doubt when it comes to Mike Ashley. Like I said earlier, I mean, there were talks initially, but then he pulled the plug back then. So it, there's no, uh, you know, there's no hesitancy or, yeah, I mean, there's no reason as to why he may not pull the plug now. He could easily do that again uh, if he feels that, you know, things might work against him. And like you said, it's a businessman. So it all depends on how uh, lucrative the deal is. So far, everyone's saying it is very lucrative that, you know, he's probably, he may not have got too much of a profit out of this deal because I think he did buy it for only 100 odd, 100 odd million back, uh, I don't know when. So, uh, Rajiv, can I come in? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, uh, see, um, that's that, uh, you know, that you say that uh, he's not made uh, profits out of the clubs. Uh, out of the club is, is something that, um, you know, if you actually speak to the Newcastle United fans, they tell you it's otherwise. Because I know it is not as publicized as uh, something like the Glazers have been doing. Uh, but we have been equally hard done by uh, year on year. If you actually look at it, it's, it's probably one of the most profitably run clubs. Um, we have probably one of the most, you know, most stringent budgets in terms of the marginal cost. That is a day-to-day operation, and there is no, uh, you know, I don't remember uh, that being a huge outlay on investment, uh, you know, for uh, the training grounds or the stadium or, uh, you know, um, any of the other infrastructure. I remember um, Rafa lamenting in one of the interviews after he left. I think. Uh, where he said, uh, you know, where we needed a huge outlay in the training ground. Uh, and there was a promise made by Ashley that, hey, uh, I'm going to give you a certain sum of money. Uh, what we needed was a uh, was a building and what he did uh, end up doing was just paint the walls. So that is the kind of person that we are talking about. Uh, and, uh, and and in that sense, um, he, he his, his only... Uh, thought process. I'm, sh- you know, I'm just trying to kind of, uh, you know, look at it as, as somebody who's independent. And his only thought process that I can think of is at this point in time, with the COVID situation and him garnering a lot of negative attention in the UK media with whatever that's happened with uh, his policies in Sports Direct. Uh, he's trying to kind of, uh, you know, pocket a, you know as much as he can get in this scenario and then uh, move off of the move off of the club because uh, there's 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 no uh, what do you call it that it's it's there's no love hate relationship with him i think we don't we don't love him he doesn't love us i think it is just it's just something that has just been dragging on for long uh, where he's tried to kind of pocket you know uh, 5 10 million extra on this i think that is where we have been hard done by and uh, I'm glad that, you know, we have had a consortium that is uh, wealthy enough to actually kind of both pay him off and also have enough to kind of, uh, you know, keep us or give us the promise of, you know, a wonderland, if you can call that. Uh, True. Okay. So, uh, I I, I agree with you. I think, I don't know, uh, like you mentioned that probably it's not as publicly known uh, or publicized as much as what the Glazers are doing to Manchester United. But I think it, it is well aware amongst those who watch football as to how detrimental Mike Ashley's been to Newcastle. I think he's kind of used Newcastle as a way to promote his own venture, which is, I think, Sports Direct, uh, which is another sports shop. So, uh, I think that's true. I was So, the thing was, I read about, you know, the deal not being profitable on the... And this only this particular deal not being as profitable as he probably would have hoped for, hoped to be because I think uh, it's 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 not been enough to it's it's not more than what he had already spent over his tenure as Newcastle owner or something like that. So again, I, I'm sorry for being very vague, but you know uh, it's all it's only been it, 
the news reports aren't also too clear as to what exactly the deal is uh they know that we know who's involved uh and we know you know how or you know how wealthy it would make newcastle but you know there's still a lot more lot behind the scenes that we probably are not privy to that the premier league are still sorting out before they finalize it uh but okay akil uh, amit uh, when uh, how's it gone so okay i won't ask that let's 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 actually move on because i think we've kind of answered why is it gone so wrong for my cashly and uh, i think uh, i let's move on to the next topic which is you know if this deal is to be agreed by the premier league okay uh, like almost come also almost at the final stage they're only now i think have to finally approve of the deal so say that the deal's been approved what can we expect from the new owners at newcastle united yeah uh, the, the the some sometimes the fans are expecting that they're spending money more than 100 million in uh, in a season but uh, in my cons- in my think uh, uh, there is uh, we de- definitely want to invest wisely invest wisely on the coaching staffs wisely on the players youth youth academy bring youth academy academy uh, much wider because uh, uh, steve bruce is doing a great job uh, i don't know uh, he will give another chance or not but uh, we definitely want to invest players like uh, i think that premier league experience players we go for like uh, I, i would like to have and go like kande the uh, william he will be available on free transfer and uh, danings uh, is in super form this season and uh, our defensive unit is so solid in the past two years and uh, uh, only the right back option uh, we definitely need a player like shima scorman and dubrak is great so maximin is doing great things almiron is there shelby so if uh, we if we spend uh, around 60 or 80 million for the fun and gradually we have to develop in the next season we spend on one iconic player uh the, like uh, 80 million or 100 million so these are the steps to develop uh, a football club like man city develop only on the four year four year time so that the players they like the, like uh, i already um, told the fake fans uh, are, are are lining up uh, with some edit photos like mbappe the neymar the <laughs> ronaldo the so uh, I, i don't think that they will invest uh, like this uh, and uh, they, the fans definitely need, uh, love to see rafa bentes back but 20 million i think that the release clause there with the chinese club so uh right now stibros will be uh, in the charge and uh, uh, next season we will be investing 60 or 80 million million pounds okay uh, fair enough i i completely agree with what you said there where i mean or rather i understand the situation that you're talking about because as it is when you know new owners or there's a yeah there's a change of ownership at a club that and especially one that promises so much of money that all of the papers all of the transfer rumors you know start linking the highest weight paid footballers on the planet and the most talented of course uh, across the world they start linking those players to the club we had mbappe we had uh, i think jackson yeah, neymar we had we had so many uh, you know players being linked to newcastle the moment that uh, the saudis were linked to uh, take over newcastle united uh, and and so okay ajay i want to ask you you know okay if i draw parallels to what happened in manchester city yeah when they came in they completely overhauled you know the the managerial staff they bought in you know robinho for 30 odd million which was at that point of time crazy amount of money for a talented player though and some of them worked out but over time you know the, you saw them build for the future you saw them put a plan in place and everything like that you see the shakes the saudi shakes do something similar or do you feel that there is going to be a slight difference in the in the sense that the saudi shakes might actually be looking to you know pump in a lot of money and by that i mean you know get star players because you know at the end of the day these guys are like us because they watch a lot of football on tv and all that they kind of believe that it's their like fantasy football team of sorts so they might just go and end up splurging crazy amount obscene amounts of money without a plan in the end so on which side of the fence would you lie would you 
do you think that they go the city route and you know plan for the future plan everything to a t that you know they'll be successful for the next decade or do you feel that they might just splurge immediately and uh we really don't know where newcastle might end up right i think there are a few things to it i'll i'll try and uh, you know segment my answer uh, and, you know let me know if it makes sense uh, see at uh, this this club that you are talking about you know people often forget that uh, there was a time in the 90s where uh, we owned the you know the, the, not we owned the most costliest player in the world uh, alan shearer at that point in time so uh, buying uh, uh, you know splurging money again to buy the costliest player again but i don't i don't see it being um, you know anything out of the blue in that sense uh, but again going back to Uh, you know what you are asking in terms of what how the investment should flow and uh, you know how a roadmap or a journey for you know for Newcastle to become uh, one of the European giants again. Uh, see, I, I I'm happy that there's someone like uh, Amanda Stavely in it because I think she will be the person that will that will put the the brains behind the money. Uh, so in that sense, I'm confident. Uh, of what she is capable of and what her outlook on uh, you know some of the stuff that Newcastle might want i think it will all be structured it won't be crazy money spending it will be measured it will have a roadmap and uh, you know if we can get in a proper football director who will look at the football side of things i think then we are sorted but uh, see more than more than any of this right um, see the gripe that uh, most most people have is there's not a proper football club representing the northeast in the league and in europe and that's 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 a shame uh, because i've been to the games there at st james's park and also been a part of the traveling party right um there's nothing that matches up to it um you know we were uh, you know being hammered at old trafford uh, 4-1 and still we we were we were the loudest and we sang all through Uh, the 90 minutes and even after so i think having newcastle or any of the northeast clubs back in uh, in europe is is something that will be um, what do you call it that is something that is required for the premier league uh, and for europe too because it, it's just like you know to draw parallels it is just like uh, you know a milan uh, or you know or juventus where the the passion is is is, is probably fanatic and that's that newcastle is a one club city and if this uh, what do you call it this investment brings in uh, what do you call a long term um, uh, what do you uh, long term infrastructure for the city because it's a working class city and it has football is 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 that thing that it holds on to you know you know there is a famous quote by bobby robson having I mean, which again underlines the same thing it is more than just a game there and it is only fair that we get a proper shot at seeing what we are capable of uh, fair enough and uh, yeah rightly so i think uh, i mean, this obviously helps in raising the competitiveness of the premier league which is already one of the most competitive leagues in the world so there's i don't think there's any harm in when you know there's more competition when newcastle also starts to compete and show some ambition which i think has been missing for so long and was one of the you know defining uh i wouldn't say defining but it's it it was one of the mainstays in the uh you know late 90s and the early 90s and everything so uh, i think to have that back would be you know uh well would be welcomed by all of us especially fans who've been watching the premier league since its inception and who who can who remember those good golden days right um and when it comes to jordies i mean we all know how passionate they are amongst fans uh, as fans uh, we know we've seen them support their club through thick and thin uh, and i mean which which is actually going to be one of my questions because i think when mike ashley first took over he was looked as you know of one of their own taking over a club and was probably going to bring them to glory days which unfortunately didn't so i i think if, that was tried now that that was tested and failed horribly then you know this is the next step to probably go the money route route 
but okay, Akil, you mentioned you know the rise of plastic fans being a you know, the fear rather the fear of uh, the rise of plastic fans in the Newcastle United community. Uh, do you think that is actually there? Because see, if I if I give you an example. I think Newcastle United, like Ajay mentioned, Newcastle United fans are, you know, one of the most passionate fan bases in the Premier League and even in world football. So, unlike in Manchester City, which really, yeah, which had a more localized fan base, uh, and then you know we you saw a lot of uh, foreigners start supporting the club because of what they were doing and what they were achieving. But do you think that you know things might be different when it comes to Newcastle United? That's yeah, you'll surely have those, you know, glory hunters who will start supporting Newcastle United should they do well. But at the end of the day, I mean, it, the fan base really won't be too plasticky, if I can use that as a term, too plasticky because you know they already are. There already is such a strong fan base prevalent yeah. right now. Uh, <clears throat> it's true that uh, fans like I said, um, so many fans in India. The but uh, I live in a state called Kerala. Uh, uh, I remember the, uh, I did face uh, uh, around 10 people or 20 people fans are there. Uh, but I, after that, uh, that, that's how the speculations started. Uh, some guys, I know that because they are from United, they are from Liverpool, they are from all other clubs, uh, Barca, Real, and the, they, they became, uh, they, they start to uh, new WhatsApp groups, do inside, it's new Twitter. But you look at the inside you can see that so many Newcastle United fans, uh, Kerala Newcastle United fans, India pages are newly emerging there. So um, I think that uh, true fans never dies. Uh, true true fans will be always there. And Newcastle United fan base are uh, so strong there because after I think that at that time of 2005 or six, after Man- Manchester United Stadium, Newcastle United Stadium is the biggest one in uh, in the Premier League. I think so. So the fans are there always. Uh, back with the team uh, when we are in the away game also. So we are strong, strong team with strong fan support. And uh, like Ajay said that uh, we got Alan Shear for the record price at that time. Uh, so Newcastle United, uh, from the base to the top, uh, they are hugely uh, talented ones and so passionate fans. Uh, the club is so the club is so much history. So the emergence of uh, plastic fans, uh, uh, they will. I think that they will go uh, if this deal collapses. They will definitely uh, stopping this using these WhatsApps or so on social media. But uh, I, I accept the support of these fans because if they are going to be loyal, come to Newcastle United. But somehow they are, they are supporting us using, if we are signing Mbappé, Mbappé fans are there. If we are signing Akure, Akure fans are there. But we all support Newcastle United are only looking at the club. But Alan Shear is a, is a, a big iconic figure. So um, I, I started watching England's games and uh, I'm seeing Shear there. So such a talented man, he's... Uh, but these plastic fans uh, will will not last long. I think uh, if if this deal collapses, they will go. If this deal is there, so uh, so much fans will arrest us in Kerala and India. Definitely, and you brought up a really important point. And I want uh, Ajay, I want your opinion on this. Uh, Akil mentioned, you know, the right like apart from plastic fans. Okay, fine. Say say that right now we call them plastic fans, but you know the. Nature of football fans is such that, uh, you know, we start watching, we start supporting a club uh, that probably does well. So you take the case of all the Manchester United fans in India. They started supporting Manchester United. I would say most of them started supporting Manchester United because they were so successful under Sir Alex Ferguson. And so do you think that, you know, this takeover will help? I mean, we call them plastic fans right now, but say that 10 years down the line, they've been so successful. These Plastic fans might actually start being loyal supporters to Newcastle. Thereby, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, the fan base might actually build, especially abroad, would actually grow because of, you know, how well they've tele- televised because Newcastle, uh, they've pumped in so much money. They're now a fun team to watch. So TV broadcasts will be higher. People get to watch them more. And so they're more educated or they get to, you know, they watch a team that they've probably never heard of before and then they start supporting them. So is that 
the opposite of what are so is that the positive of this uh deal is this one of the positives that you uh right now they might seem like plastic fans but at the end of the day they might actually turn out to be loyal supporters because they keep watching newcastle over a period of time no absolutely i think uh, i'll tell you this uh, i think more the merry right in that sense uh, if you actually compare it to a club like chelsea when Abramovich actually uh, invested in the club in 2002-2003. I can't think of a single person that was a a Chelsea uh, fan, right? But now if you look at it, they are are, are probably one of the strongest uh, bunches of of fans and I think they are ever growing. It is good in that sense that, uh, you know, you'll have more people to talk to. Uh, I remember those days when I started watching the club. I think there used to be a blog called uh, Ed Harrison's blog, Newcastle uh, United blog. And uh, I think it was me and a bunch of three or four other Indians that I found on the blog. That's it. And I always had this skepticism that, what, uh, you know, is it is it going to be uh, this for the rest of my life? That I'll hardly meet a fan that I can, you know, a fellow Newcastle United uh, fan where, you know, I can exchange my thoughts with. But um, you know, to to my surprise, uh, we we are a strong community in India, a very closely knit community in India. We're about uh, anywhere between 400 to 500 that are very active. And uh, and with this 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 entire madness that is about to happen, I think it will multiply. And when it multiplies, uh, I don't think. It'll it'll uh, actually become um, you know something like what happened in Manchester City where you know, they can't even fill their stadiums on a European night. Uh, it'll it'll be anything but that because the base or the core emotion of why a person supports Newcastle United will be reinstilled by the people around. So uh, uh, I think in that sense we are we are in safe hands. Uh, because of the fan base that we have uh, presently, and uh, more people are welcome, right? So it will be people like me, Akhil, and you know, multiple others in India that we know of that will actually kind of say, "Hey, you know, it's not the club that you think it is. It is a different club, and it's a special club." I think we will be there to remind these people that it's different and it's special. Which is exactly the point that I was. I mean, I was hoping that one of you would talk about, which is. Uh, we were, we were, everyone, you know, makes fun of how the Etihad is rather the empty heart, right? Which is, they can't even afford to fill up their entire stadium. Where, which is, whereas, uh, you know, Newcastle fans, like I was mentioning, is the fan base is so passionate that I think even if uh, the Saudis were to decide that they want to redo St. James Park, make, you know, extend it, make more, I mean, uh, increase the number of seats there for fans, I think you, fans would, more than happy, happily go and watch their team play. I think you would still be able to fill up all of those seats, and so I would completely agree with that. Uh, okay, now let's move on to you know some of the you know once this deal had, was announced, uh, there were a lot of oppos- there was a lot of opposition to this deal. Uh, I think mainly from uh, you know let's say the amnesty groups or. Uh, like Akil mentioned earlier, that there was human human right uh, activists. Uh, there's been, uh, I think Qatar also, which is Qatar's TV broadcast channel, which is being exposed. They came out and said that this deal shouldn't happen. Uh, that's po- that's politics uh, there. And we also had, I think, recently, I don't know who, but somebody had come out and said that the government should now get involved because uh, they should take a vested interest or a national interest in what's happening in the in football and they should probably you know they should do a due diligence to see whether this deal is actually worth it because we've seen you know especially in the championship and in the lower leagues that you know big owners come in with big ambitions they do not meet those ambitions they uh, they don't their expectations are not met and then they fall so bad that you know their clubs go into administration and some of them have even closed down so you know, it turns into a quite a sad story. So uh, I just wanted, Akil, what from a from a human rights perspective, do you feel that uh, you know this Saudi deal could hamper the 
the reputation that Newcastle United has as being a more family-oriented club, you know, that, you know, a well-liked club amongst the uh, Premier League fan base? Uh, <clears throat> what Qatar, I think that what Qatar and the Bean Sports and, uh, uh, are doing, it's absolutely a politics, I think. Because uh, the ban raised by the starting America and Saudi Arabia against Qatar past in the two years, before two years. So they are using this as one of their uh, weapons against them. So uh, the human activists, uh, I think that some, some problems are happening in Saudi Arabia and uh, they are there uh, saying that uh, the Salman, King Salman is uh, using to distract from all those events, all those uh, worst, worst things that happened, uh, using football as uh, using football as one of an emotional character. So uh, human activists, uh, the second letters already wrote to Premier League, um, but uh, uh, I, there's a strong relationship with the UK government and Saudi Arabia. So I think that the Premier League uh, till now uh, didn't uh, show any red flags against this, but uh, there will be problems uh, to be faced there. But uh, at the final time, I think that uh, they'll sanction the deal. <laughs> but in my in my uh, my problem is that uh, Mike Ashley is uh, thinking that uh, he already. I, I think that he already got some money, and if the deal collapses, he there's a deal that he he don't want to return that money. So May 15th or something is the last date. Last date, I think I don't know. Uh, and the Qatar and the Bean Sports and the human activists. So many people will uh, involve in this from the uh, coming days. Uh, definitely because Saudi government, uh, King Salman is so much wealthy. So they will definitely use uh, any tools to stop this deal uh, from Newcastle United being one of the biggest clubs in the Europe. Right. I, I guess, yeah. I mean, obviously there are lot, especially with the Qatar BN Sports, uh, you know, complaints there's, there's obviously a political angle uh, when it comes to that human rights i mean I, I would say they do have you know a case to make and it was always going to happen whether they were going to take over newcastle whether they were going to take over liverpool whether they take they were going to take over manchester united i think every fan knew that you know if this if they were to take over that uh, their club would kind of be looked upon as being run by uh, you know, not only oil-rich owners, but, you know, by, uh, I, I can't really think of the word here, but I, I'm guessing, like, tortures or, uh, you know, like, not very good people, right? Uh, and, okay, I think the case against, uh, okay, so this is the case that is against the Saudis taking over, but the case for, could you make it, so, the Premier League is not, has not is not new to this kind of scenario. I mean, Roman Abramovich was what uh, Putin's right hand man. Uh, he came in, he took over Chelsea. Chelsea's done well, and it's been good for English football. Uh, you could say the same with Manchester City, Saudi. I mean, uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, Abu Dhabi owners. Uh, obviously, a lot has been said about them as well when they first took over. Uh, again, human rights. Activists weren't very happy about it. Uh, there were a lot of doubts as to, you know, how it would really affect English football. Ten years on, we're celebrating their team on the pitch, off the pitch. We're celebrating how well they've planned it all, you know, how uh, well they've thought about for the future. Uh, and so, do you think that the Saudi sheikhs can make a case by... Citing these two examples of Roman Abramovich and Manchester City's, you know, city football group saying that, you know, you guys were skeptical when they entered the Premier League. Uh, and so, and now you kind of laud them or you applaud them for bringing English football to, uh, or making English football one of the most watched leagues or sport, sporting events in the world. So, why can't you do the same with us? So, Ajay, do you feel that, you know, that would be the case uh, when if this were to, you know, prolong further or if they were to... I don't think it goes to court, but, you know, this is one of the cases that the Saudi sheikhs would have. I think 
see, uh, I have, I, I think as with most Newcastle United fans, uh, I have a fundamental issue um, in how this is being, uh, what do you call it, how this, this script is being narrated, right? Uh, in the sense that, uh, are you telling me that uh, other countries and uh, the UK government in itself has not partnered with the UK, you know, with the Saudi Sheikh? Uh, All countries do. And uh, as a matter of foreign policy, I think uh, UK has strategically put Saudis as one of their top five alliances. So with that in mind, uh, so that that uh, uh, you know, something as, you know, in, in, in larger context, something as trivial as a footballing or a sporting takeover, a sporting club takeover is, is uh, looked as, uh, as the vehicle for people to run their agenda is something that I'm not comfortable with. Uh, where, where it comes to um, how that particular country is run and how, uh, what do you call it, some of the crimes have to be looked upon, taken to court with, that is a separate issue. And it needs to be uh, discussed in a different platform. It needs to be uh, brought to a conclusion in a different platform. And this is certainly not the platform and the vehicle for you to uh, target and pour, you know, throw your stones at. So that is, that is my take on it. Uh, whereas, you know, when it comes to, you know, the, the larger aspect of what you're talking about as to how much of benefit, um, you know, Premier League in general and Newcastle in specific will get out of uh, Saudi investment. Um, see, like I said, uh, Newcastle as such is a working class city. And that that someone like a Ruben uh, uh, Brothers is, is involved in it will mean there is going to be more in investment or infrastructure outlay or real estate boom in that particular city. That is something that this, this city is craving for. So that is the, you know, what do you call it? That is the passionate cry that we have. But when you're looking at it, but when you're looking at it from an objective standpoint, uh, while the crimes are something that need to be definitely taken to task with, I don't think it, it is... Uh, this investment that should that should spark everybody's debate. So I think um, it has been, uh, you know, it, it's not new that the Saudis are owning a club in the Premier League. They already have Sheffield United. So I don't know what questions were raised when Sheffield United was taken over. Uh, so I, I find uh, this newfound, uh, what do you call it, moral high ground to be a farce. Um, and you know, if if you had to kind of take it as a legitimate case against them, you do it outside football. This is this is a specific activity, and I, I think the health sector, the sports secretary of the you know of the United Kingdom uh, government has come out and said in one of the interviews yesterday or day before that they will not intervene, and I think that is going to be the same stance that uh, the Premier League will also take. I I, I would think so. So uh, once it is done poking, uh, uh, you know, poking fingers or throwing stones at uh, at the takeover, I, I find it to be um, to a certain extent childish. So that's where I lie on it. Right. I think what you mentioned now is quite prevalent, you know, in matters apart from this deal, uh, like we saw when you know COVID became quite prevalent in the UK, how lot of people especially like the politicians looked straight at football and looked especially at football players to cut their wages and reduce their wages in order to you know fund uh, the nhs or you know or reduce the burden on the economy and stuff like that so you know it's it's slightly disturbing that some that at times at desperate times we kind of look at sport to solve social issues and especially you know in the uk to look at football to solve issues that you know probably football doesn't have anything to do with i mean and the other one that you mentioned about the ruben brothers being involved and what that would mean i think i like i mentioned earlier i think that's the similar feel that they had probably when mike ashley bought over and then he was sitting with the fans and everything that they liked that whole camaraderie the family sort of family friendly feeling so uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely that could play into the hands of the, uh, you know, the Saudis taking over. And when, I, I'm not sure what happened when they took over Sheffield. Uh, I actually forgot about that. So 
I'm not exactly sure what the due diligence was on there. I it could be because of the vast amount of money that was being, uh, you know, is that is probably going to be pumped into this deal that that's why it's got everyone's tail coats up. So uh, that's probably you know one of the reasons why people are now paying attention to it uh, rather than them paying attention to when they took over or when they invested in Sheffield United. Uh, but okay. Uh, quickly before we uh okay actually no before i get to my last question akil i want to ask you uh one one thing this with this whole covid 19 situation going on everyone's talking about the transfer market being completely changed that you know we won't see the 100 odd millions being uh dealt as as a norm anymore that we we'd go back to the pre neymar days do you feel that uh that is it's that means that it's a little safer that you won't see the saudi sheikhs pump in some 200 or 300 or million to buy a player and we might i mean so is that allaying some of the fears that uh, they might you know buy crazy uh, they might pump in crazy amount of money and buy ridiculous players that really don't fit into a plan maybe due to these problems the world is facing right now uh maybe uh, some 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 uh, lessening of money in the transfer business means uh, uh 20 million or 25 million for a player single player will definitely happen i think uh, because uh, uh, all, all are facing so much problems uh, in the health area in the wealth area so uh the players like sanjo is the hugely hugely the manchester united chelsea uh, all are looking for a player like sanjo but uh, the players like him uh, will definitely go for 100 million i think because he's so young but a players uh, uh, above the age of 26 or 27 will be de- definitely lessening the amount of the 20 million 25 million so the saudis will uh, I- i'm so much happy i will be because we are we will not have to invest uh, uh, about 50 million or 60 million for a single player in the, in the first season itself we can invest in the second season or third season that's a, a pretty good idea but from investing that 60 million 50 million uh, for a player that not fit uh, in our plans uh, because it's uh, it's it creates so much problems like what a joint on deal 40 million pounds in so much surprise the record break signing of Newcastle reacted but uh, giving him chance and sign a player 20 million 25 million 30 million so the plan is to limit that the, the, we, we should uh, create a limit of 60 or 80 million to get all transfers like i said the four transfers that i want to see in newcastle united okay uh fair enough uh i i think yeah i mean uh, when i talk about you know spending so much i think yeah newcastle fans would be fine by spending like ajay mentioned that it's not like they it's new to them they spent when with alan shearer and all of that so uh i think uh spending was not that but i just feel like you know for for the new owners to it's not too much of a gamble that's what i'm trying to say that you know uh spending that they are spending a you know 30 odd million 40 odd million wouldn't be you know people tend to give them more time to adapt than if you spend like 100 odd million they require instant success so uh i getting i think that's what i was kind of looking Can at I- Yeah, and I come in, uh, Pratim. Uh, sure, see, yes. uh, so I think this is the reality check that all of us have been craving for, right? It is after a point in time, it just became that uh, you know that the free roll of a dice that we have in uh, you know something like a FIFA, uh, you know, large amounts of money uh, were thrown at players, and the agents started becoming really powerful. And I think that inflation. Uh, you know if you ask me personally it took away the sheen to a certain uh, uh to to some bit now that will 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 i think probably not necessarily go out of the picture but i think that will be controlled that you will have people looking at new ways of regulating that and uh, you know clubs will be run with a lot more prudence um you know like for example i i just reading an article i think a few years back where they said at manchester city they have 10 people to do the same thing at almost every single layer or every single activity of the club 
whether that is required i don't know and uh, should that translate into lower ticket prices for the clubs i think that's another bargain or that that's another trade off that people will start thinking of you know really seriously uh, from a newcastle united standpoint i think uh, if you look at it all of us have suddenly become oil experts you know all of the fans i think we have started looking at the oil market like it's our own and uh, that that there is there is a huge uh, that's that's a huge ca- crash that's happened in the last couple of weeks whether that la- directly translate into how much uh, spending power the pif has i don't really know but i think the vehicle uh, that the pif sounds to be is um mohammed mbs is vehicle to diversify uh, risks out of the oil sector so i think in that sense i don't necessarily see a stringency coming into what we will be capable of spending and with the ff there's also talk of the ffp being uh, you know relaxed to bring in that you know what do you call it the owners to bring in their own money to stabilize the club so if that relaxation happens that plus in us having the money and the market being whatever it is it should mean that we will get more value for the players that we will buy i think that is what i foresee i think immediately in the next couple of years i think it will at least take a couple of years for the stabilization to happen when that time if we can actually be really smart about our recruitment uh, like what akil was talking about some of the premier league proven players plus some mix of you know young exciting talent that can actually keep the fans um you know off their seats i think that is what we are looking for and i think all of it is just working in 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 proper favor for us definitely i think the oil uh you know the situation when it comes to the oil market was definitely you know playing on everyone's minds because i think the moment that was announced i think it was only a couple of days or so after that that you know the oil market crashed and everyone was like oh the deal's off but surprisingly that it i mean it went to an into a even more advanced stage and almost final approval only final approval is, is pending uh so yeah i'm guessing he's diversified his business over there uh <clears throat> sorry but and yeah you you probably right in saying i mean i personally i feel like uh at least for a couple of years or so that we would see you know it going back to pre neymar uh days i mean the transfer market so we might see people getting more value uh, uh from their purchases so you know your 40 million just 50 million and you'd see players you know not being t- bogged down by the transfer fees uh into that uh, i think when it comes to sancho you know i find maybe 100 million but you know even then the clubs may not be forced to uh sell some clubs obviously some clubs might be but you know most clubs may- might try to protect their investments right now and then you know when they're more stable or uh, when stability is back then they probably look to sell but uh before we end this particular podcast i'm going to ask each one of you uh, one particular question and you can just answer it in one word you expect the deal to happen so akil let me start off with you Uh, definitely uh, premier league will uh, will give the green light to uh, to sa- to sanction the deal so i think that saudi will definitely um, be the new owners of newcastle united and we will be back to that position in the 90s in 2000 uh, like the newcastle united we will be so much proud to have saudi as new owner perfect and ajay do you think uh, you know the premier league will sanction the deal and you know will it happen will the saudi take over newcastle yes hopefully <laughs> like the, the resounding yes and then the hopefully at the end is quite a statement there and i mean when it comes to, i know i know i uh, i wanted to speak about this earlier but yeah when it came to ffp uh, right now yeah there are there needs to be a lot of changes and one of the changes like you mentioned could be that you know they allow owners to spend their own money because we see right now that manchester city could actually have a case against uefa and the ban could be actually shortened so if that were to happen then you know uefa is going to need a going to have to take a long hard look in the mirror and you know really come up with some better regulations there and by that time that happens i think you know the saudi sheikhs would be well and truly established in the premier league so i don't think that really is a worry right now 
Um, so, yeah, I guess that's all the time we have for Newcastle at this current moment. I mean, it's been an hour talking about this particular takeover and I'm pretty sure there's going to be more to talk about in the coming few weeks. So, uh, thanks Ajay and Akhil for being a part of this podcast. It was a pleasure having you on here and giving your thoughts as Newcastle fans. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, Pradeem. It's been lovely of you to to have hosted us. And uh, I think we we would hope to kind of be on the channel more uh, regularly. Definitely. Now that... That now that I know that you know there are Newcastle fans in India and you know uh, it's all so, so that's the thing. So I apart when I first started this podcast, I wasn't really aware of how many you know different fans there were in India or even across the world uh, apart from you know the UK. So it was like you, you I knew that the top four or five teams would have you know, huge fan bases in the world. You'd and you'd obviously have you know the Barcelona's and the uh, and the Real uh, Madrid and the Bayern Munich, Juventus. You'd find those guys, but I actually, off late, I found a West Ham fan base in India. I found now a Newcastle fan base. So it's it's quite nice to know that you know that there are people abroad who are supporting these uh, lesser right now lesser known teams, but you know back in the day, very prominent teams. So uh, it's it's yeah, I'm, I'm trying to hopefully now that I'm I'm getting more aware of these fan bases, I definitely have them more on the podcast but yeah i mean it was really really insightful you know talking to both of you and getting i mean your real i mean really good analysis about what you feel the takeover would bring uh to the premier league and uh yeah looking forward to doing more podcasts uh with you too and if you have other newcastle friends who would be interested in uh, featuring on this podcast then yeah we'd love to hear from them as well um so uh, yeah, I guess that's all uh, there is for episode 38. Uh, I mean, you can follow us on seven different podcast platforms. You can uh, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you know, Spotify. We're there. Uh, we're also on Twitter, so you can follow us there. Uh, yeah, you can like us. You can follow us. You can rate us. You can let uh, your friends and family know about us. And if they're interested, then we'd love to host them as well. Uh, so yeah i guess that's it i'm your host praddy once again and see you